Okay, and now to our next guest in our Top 5 Books podcast. We're joined by the writer and author of the book Kill All Normies, Angela Nagel. Angela, thanks a million. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming in to us. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we get to your choices, look, you're a writer and no doubt you have a, you have a love of, of books. I, I read somewhere that you, your first recollection of books was um, your, your dad reading Three Billy Goats Gruff to you. Is that yeah. right? <laughs> Where did I say that? I can't remember I having ever said that. We do our research on this, on this programme. <laughs> yeah, he used to do that. He used to do the voices and everything. Yeah, yeah dads do tend to do voices. Yeah. All right, we do love doing that uh, when we're reading <laughs> books. Um, was it a passion from, from the, 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 your very early days? Actually, no. That's the funny thing. So refreshing. Everybody else says yes. Yeah, no, not at all. I I mean, I didn't really, you know, like when I was a kid, my my parents read books to me and stuff like that, like kids books. And I remember even having a little book that was like a floating book in the bath and stuff like that as a kid. But like, then there was this huge gap where I didn't read anything until I was in my mid-teens, about 15. Um, uh, I wasn't very scholarly I didn't like going to school um uh so I wasn't bookish at all actually it was then and I got to about 15 that uh books sort of became something that were more like dark and interesting than something that your teachers were telling you to read kind of thing right okay. so so that's why particularly I ended up kind of very interested in kind of uh radical political uh, writers and also kind of dystopian books and stuff like that. I, I was really interested in that. So I used to, I think I said this somewhere else before as well, I used to sometimes, uh, from that age, when I then started reading all the time, I would not go to school and I would just go to the library instead and I would sit there all day in the library. So eventually when my, um, my my I remember my mother had to come in for like a parent teacher meeting at one point and one of the teachers said that I had really bad attendance. My mother was really I don't she hasn't been sick. <laughs> and it's cuz I just wasn't going to school. I was just going to the library, you know. Parents probably assume if their kid is not going to yeah, school. Yeah, leaving in their school uniform that they're going well, to Well, you know, they're probably doing drugs or yeah. like something like that, but uh, I was just sitting in a library because I, I only wanted to read the things I wanted to read, you know. Okay, you mentioned a few words, dark, interesting, dystopian. I think it's fair to say they are reflected in your choices for mm. the top five books. So let's uh, let's get to uh, your, your first choice, uh, A Brave New World by uh, Aldous uh, Huxley. Um, it's a, I mean, it's an incredibly prescient book, probably as prescient as, uh, you know, 1984, maybe mm. not as well known as 1984 by, by George Orwell. But mm. uh, I mean, you talk about dystopia, this does predict kind of pretty accurately a dystopian uh, future. Just tell us a little bit about the book, first of all. Yeah, um, I actually think it's th- it's the more accurate one. Um, uh, and actually, if I remember correctly, Aldous Huxley taught George Orwell in school. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, um, and um, Huxley is somebody who changed a bit throughout his life. He had very strange, all kinds of strange political opinions that, that kind of changed over his life, but... Um, a Brave New World, I think, is more, much more accurate than um, 1984. And it's also, I think, much more true to human nature and the nature of totalitarian societies that actually work. Uh, in that if you want to oppress a population, the, the kind of relentless, um, I suppose, more obvious type of totalitarianism that exists in 1984 could never last because the human spirit would eventually 
not be able to tolerate it and yeah, it would break like, somehow. Like what happened with the behind the Iron Curtain and uh, ultimately it did collapse for that very reason probably. Yeah, and then in the, but but then if you look at uh, A Brave New World it's, it's very different because it's it's pacification rather than a, a very direct form of oppression. So everyone in it is kind of happy in a way. So the, the characters in the novel uh, all take a drug called Soma which probably when it was written was seen as an outlandish idea that that everyone would be on mood-altering mm. medications. But of course now that's a reality in m- a lot of Western societies. Um, people are very happy. People are pacified. Uh, people are, they've created a kind of a one-world society, like globalized society, very much like what we're kind of moving towards, um, in which everything has been very rationalized and the kind of the emotional pains of life are have all been taken away. So people, you know, are very, um, you know, genetically altered uh, to be more perfect people. Uh, one very accurate thing in it is that in it, like sexuality has been uh, turned into just a kind of a hobby or like a playful thing that has no relationship to procreation, which has been you know, moved to the to like test tubes yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but then there is this, uh, it's an island or a place where like the savages live. So the savages are the people who, you know, were born naturally and to live a relatively natural life. But what makes it really interesting, first of all, it's the fact that totalitarianism that really works comes in the form of pleasing people and pacifying people rather than necessarily just oppressing them. Um, But also, I think there is always that problem with trying to create utopias. Um, And I'm not someone who thinks, you you know, I'm not like um, someone who thinks you should just never try, like a lot of conservatives kind of think in that way. I, I don't really, but it is still something that you have to think about. Like in the banishing of all human pain, you you in the process get rid of the things that make life meaningful or okay uh, yeah. and do you think that's almost where we're at right now yeah very much so i i think it's i think it's the most of all the big dystopian novels of that time i think it's the most accurate by far um you know if you think of uh the how heavily medicated people are um the idea that you know there is this kind of forward march of progress where the more you can alleviate um the kind of messiness of yeah. of life in its natural state, uh, the, actually, you kind of you you erase all of these things in the process, um, in this kind of over rationalization of everything. Yeah, it was interesting as you and, and I know this isn't what you were referring to, what he was referring to. But I couldn't help think uh, when you were talking about the, the the savages versus. I mean, the the world has become quite sanitized, even in our kind of. We're icky about things that even 20 or 30 years ago we weren't icky. I can see mm. that with, with, with my kids. There's an obsession about, you know, germs and killing 99% or 0.9%. Of, mm. Like we are much more, it is a more antiseptic, sanitized world, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 